Today is April 17th. I'm Serena, and welcome to the Seven Streams Bible Reading Method. Today we are in the Nation Stream, and we are going to finish the book of 1 Samuel. We'll be reading chapters 26 through 31 in the Good News Translation. 1 Samuel 26 Some men from Ziph came to Saul at Gibeah, and told him that David was hiding on Mount Hakilah at the edge of the Judean wilderness. Saul went at once with 3,000 of the best soldiers in Israel to the wilderness of Ziph to look for David, and camped by the road on Mount Hakilah. David was still in the wilderness, and when he learned that Saul had come to look for him, he sent spies and found out that Saul was indeed there. He went at once and located the exact place where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, slept. Saul slept inside the camp, and his men camped around him. Then David asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai the brother of Joab, their mother was Zeruiah, which of you two will go to Saul's camp with me? I will, Abishai answered. So that night, David and Abishai entered Saul's camp and found Saul sleeping in the center of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the troops were sleeping around him. Abishai said to David, God has put your enemy in your power tonight. Now, let me plunge his own spear through him and pin him to the ground with just one blow. I won't have to strike twice. But David said, You must not harm him. The Lord will certainly punish whoever harms his chosen king. By the living Lord, David continued, I know that the Lord himself will kill Saul, either when his time comes to die a natural death or when he dies in battle. The Lord forbid that I should try to harm the one whom the Lord has made king. Let's take his spear and his water jar and go. So David took the spear and the water jar from right beside Saul's head, and he and Abishai left. No one saw it or knew what had happened or even woke up. They were all sound asleep, because the Lord had sent a heavy sleep on them all. Then David crossed over to the other side of the valley to the top of the hill, a safe distance away, and shouted to Saul's troops and to Abner, Abner, can you hear me? Who is that shouting and waking up the king? Abner asked. David answered, Abner, aren't you the greatest man in Israel? So why aren't you protecting your master, the king? Just now someone entered the camp to kill your master. You failed in your duty, Abner. I swear by the living Lord that all of you deserve to die because you have not protected your master whom the Lord made king. Look. Where is the king's spear? Where is the water jar that was right by his head? Saul recognized David's voice and asked, David, is that you, my son? Yes, your majesty, David answered. And he added, Why, sir, are you still pursuing me, your servant? What have I done? What crime have I committed? Your majesty, listen to what I have to say. If it is the Lord who has turned you against me, an offering to him will make him change his mind. But if some people have done it, may the Lord's curse fall on them. 
for they have driven me out from the Lord's land to a country where I can only worship foreign gods. Don't let me be killed on foreign soil away from the Lord. Why should the king of Israel come to kill a flea like me? Why should he hunt me down like a wild bird? Saul answered, I have done wrong. Come back, David, my son. I will never harm you again because you have spared my life tonight. I have been a fool. I have done a terrible thing. David replied, Here is your spear, your majesty. Let one of your men come over and get it. The Lord rewards those who are faithful and righteous. Today he put you in my power, but I did not harm you, whom the Lord made king. Just as I have spared your life today, may the Lord do the same to me and free me from all troubles. Saul said to David, God bless you, my son. You will succeed in everything you do. So David went on his way, and Saul returned home. David said to himself, One of these days, Saul will kill me. The best thing for me to do is to escape to Philistia. Then Saul will give up looking for me in Israel, and I will be safe. So David and six hundred men went over at once to Achish, son of Maok, king of Gath. David and his men settled there in Gath with their families. David had his two wives with him, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, Nabal's widow from Carmel. When Saul heard that David had fled to Gath, he gave up trying to find him. David said to Achish, If you are my friend, let me have a small town to live in. There is no need, sir, for me to live with you in the capital city. So Achish gave him the town of Ziklag, and for this reason Ziklag has belonged to kings of Judah ever since. David lived in Philistia for sixteen months. During that time, David and his men would attack the people of Geshur, Girzi, and Amalek, who had been living in the region a very long time. He would raid their land as far as Shur, all the way down to Egypt, killing all the men and women and taking the sheep, cattle, donkeys, camels, and even the clothes. Then he would come back to Achish, who would ask him, Where did you go on a raid this time? And David would tell him that he had gone to the southern part of Judah, or to the territory of the clan of Jeremiel, or to the territory where the Kenites lived. David would kill everyone, men and women, so that no one could go back to Gath and report what he and his men had really done. This is what David did the whole time he lived in Philistia. But Achish trusted David and said to himself, He is hated so much by his own people, the Israelites, that he will have to serve me all his life. Sometime later, the Philistines gathered their troops to fight Israel, and Achish said to David, Of course, you understand that you and your men are to fight on my side. Of course, David answered. I am your servant, and you will see for yourself what I can do. Achish said, Good, I will make you my permanent bodyguard. Now Samuel had died, and all the Israelites had mourned for him and had buried him in his hometown of Ramah. Saul had forced all the fortune tellers and mediums to leave Israel. The Philistine troops assembled and camped near the town of Shunem. 
Saul gathered the Israelites and camped at Mount Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was terrified, and so he asked the Lord what to do. But the Lord did not answer him at all, either by dreams or by the use of Urim or Thummim or by prophets. Then Saul ordered his officials, Find me a woman who is a medium, and I will go and consult her. There is one in Endor, they answered. So Saul disguised himself. He put on different clothes, and after dark, he went with two of his men to see the woman. Consult the spirits for me and tell me what is going to happen, he said to her. Call up the spirit of the man I name. The woman answered, Surely you know what King Saul has done, how he forced the fortune tellers and mediums to leave Israel. Why, then, are you trying to trap me and get me killed? Then Saul made a sacred vow. By the living Lord, I promise that you will not be punished for doing this, he told her. Whom shall I call up for you? The woman asked. Samuel, he answered. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed and said to Saul, Why have you tricked me? You are King Saul. Don't be afraid, the king said to her. What do you see? I see a spirit coming up from the earth, she answered. What does it look like? he asked. It's an old man coming up, she answered. He is wearing a cloak. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed to the ground in respect. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me? Why did you make me come back? Saul answered, I am in great trouble. The Philistines are at war with me, and God has abandoned me. He doesn't answer me anymore, either by prophets or by dreams. And so I have called you for you to tell me what I must do. Samuel said, Why do you call me when the Lord has abandoned you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you what he told you through me. He has taken the kingdom away from you and given it to David instead. You disobeyed the Lord's command and did not completely destroy the Amalekites and all they had. That is why the Lord is doing this to you now. He will give you and Israel over to the Philistines. Tomorrow, you and your sons will join me, and the Lord will also give the army of Israel over to the Philistines. At once, Saul fell down and lay stretched out on the ground, terrified by what Samuel had said. He was weak because he had not eaten anything all day and all night. The woman went over to him and saw that he was terrified, so she said to him, Please, sir, I risked my life by doing what you asked. Now, please do what I ask. Let me fix you some food. You must eat so that you will be strong enough to travel. Saul refused and said he would not eat anything, but his officers also urged him to eat. He finally gave in, got up from the ground, and sat on the bed. The woman quickly killed a calf which she had been fattening. Then she took some flour, prepared it, and baked some bread without yeast. She set the food before Saul and his officers, and they ate it. 
and they left that same night. The Philistines brought all their troops together at Aphek, where the Israelites camped at the spring in Jezreel Valley. The five Philistine kings marched out with their units of a hundred and of a thousand men. David and his men marched in the rear with King Achish. The Philistine commanders saw them and asked, What are these Hebrews doing here? Achish answered, This is David, an official of King Saul of Israel. He has been with me for quite some time now. He has done nothing I can find fault with since the day he came over to me. But the Philistine commanders were angry with Achish and said to him, Send that fellow back to the town you gave him. Don't let him go into battle with us. He might turn against us during the fighting. What better way is there for him to win back his master's favor than by the death of our men? After all, this is David, the one about whom the women sang as they danced. Saul has killed thousands, and David has killed tens of thousands. Achish called David and said to him, I swear by the living God of Israel that you have been loyal to me, and I would be pleased to have you go with me and fight in this battle. I have not found fault in you from the day you came over to me, but the other kings don't approve of you. So, go back home in peace, and don't do anything that would displease them. David answered, What have I done wrong, sir? If, as you say, you haven't found any fault in me since the day I started serving you, why shouldn't I go with you, my master and king, and fight your enemies? I agree, Achish replied. I consider you as loyal as an angel of God, but the other kings have said that you can't go with us into battle. So then, David, tomorrow morning, All of you who left Saul and came over to me will have to get up early and leave as soon as it's light. So David and his men started out early the following morning to go back to Philistia, and the Philistines went on to Jezreel. Two days later, David and his men arrived back at Ziklag. The Amalekites had raided southern Judah and attacked Ziklag. They had burned down the town and captured all the women. They had not killed anyone, but had taken everyone with them when they left. When David and his men arrived, they found that the town had been burned down and that their wives, sons, and daughters had been carried away. David and his men started crying and did not stop until they were completely exhausted. Even David's two wives, Ahinoam and Abigail, had been taken away. David was now in great trouble because his men were all very bitter about losing their children, and they were threatening to stone him. But the Lord his God gave him courage. David said to the priest, Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. David asked the Lord, Shall I go after those raiders, and will I catch them? He answered, Go after them. You will catch them and rescue the captives. So David and his six hundred men started out, and when they arrived at Bezar Brook, some of them stayed there. David continued on his way with four hundred men. The other two hundred men were too tired to cross the brook, and so stayed behind. The men with David found a young Egyptian out in the country and brought him to David. They gave him some food and water, some dried figs, 
and two bunches of raisins. After he had eaten, his strength returned. He had not had anything to eat or drink for three full days. David asked him, Who is your master, and where are you from? I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite, he answered. My master left me behind three days ago because I got sick. We had raided the territory of the Cherethites in the southern part of Judah and the territory of the clan of Caleb, and we burned down Ziklag. Will you lead me to those raiders? David asked him. He answered, I will if you promise me in God's name that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master. And he led David to them. The raiders were scattered all over the place, eating, drinking, and celebrating because of the enormous amount of loot they had captured from Philistia and Judah. At dawn the next day, David attacked them and fought until evening, except for 400 young men who mounted camels and got away. None of them escaped. David rescued everyone and everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing at all was missing. David got back all his men's sons and daughters and all the loot the Amalekites had taken. He also recovered all the flocks and herds. His men drove all the livestock in front of them and said, This belongs to David. Then David went back to the two hundred men who had been too weak to go with him and had stayed behind at Bezor Brook. They came forward to meet David and his men, and David went up to them and greeted them warmly. But some mean and worthless men who had gone with David said, They didn't go with us, and so we won't give them any of the loot. They can take their wives and children and go away. But David answered, My brothers, you can't do this with what the Lord has given us. He kept us safe and gave us victory over the raiders. No one can agree with what you say. All must share alike. Whoever stays behind with the supplies gets the same share as the one who goes into battle. David made this a rule, and it has been followed in Israel ever since. When David returned to Ziklag, he sent part of the loot to his friends, the leaders of Judah, with the message, Here is a present for you from the loot we took from the Lord's enemies. He sent it to the people in Bethel, to the people in Ramah in the southern part of Judah, and to the people in the towns of Jatir, Aror, Sifmoth, Eshtemoah, and Rakal, to the clan of Jeremiel, to the Kenites, and to the people in the towns of Hormah, Borashan, Athak, and Hebron. He sent it to all the places where he and his men had roamed. The Philistines fought a battle against the Israelites on Mount Gilboa. Many Israelites were killed there, and the rest of them, including King Saul and his sons, fled. But the Philistines caught up with them and killed three of Saul's sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting was heavy around Saul, and he himself was hit by enemy arrows and badly wounded. He said to the young man carrying his weapons, Draw your sword and kill me, so that these godless Philistines won't gloat over me and kill me. But the young man was too terrified to do it. So Saul took his own sword 
and threw himself on it. The young man saw that Saul was dead, so he too threw himself on his own sword and died with Saul. And that is how Saul, his three sons, and the young man died. All of Saul's men died that day. When the Israelites on the other side of Jezreel Valley and east of the Jordan River heard that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons had been killed, they abandoned their towns and fled. Then the Philistines came and occupied the towns. The day after the battle, the Philistines went to plunder the corpses, and they found the bodies of Saul and his three sons lying on Mount Gilboa. They cut off Saul's head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers with them throughout Philistia to tell the good news to their idols and to their people. Then they put his weapons in the temple of the goddess Astarte, and they nailed his body to the wall of the city of Beth Shean. When the people of Jabesh in Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, the bravest men started out and marched all night to Beth Shean. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall, brought them back to Jabesh, and burned them there. Then they took the bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in town and fasted for seven days. Dear Holy Spirit, may we be shepherded by you and be found with a soul that is yielded and listening to you for our next step and for our every move. Amen. Before we go into the beginning of this, what we've read today, I just have to say, anytime we go through all of these battles, I just feel like it's an amazing workout somehow. I I just feel it along with what's happening there. So let's just recap what's happened today. There's so much that happened in everything that we read. Overall, we see that David is such a man of upstanding character. His years of solitude with God when he was young reflect in his behavior again and again. He's a skilled musician, a worshiper, a warrior who kills lions and bears and giants. He leads and rallies and inspires. He has cunning logic and people skills. And when he has a chance at killing someone who hates him with a vengeance, he doesn't kill him, meaning Saul. Twice he opts to not kill the would-be assassin, King Saul. The fact that such a fighter is so gracious and statesmanlike is astonishing to anyone who understands human nature. In chapter 26, David is peering over a sleeping Saul, and with weapon in hand, he just walks away with the spear as evidence. This is scarier than one might think. David and his friends have snuck in at night and walked through a filled camp. One man waking and shouting would have David killed without question. Guts and daring could be added to the list of superlative traits that can be attached to David. The results following the revelation are similar. Saul talks with admiration and with penitence amid the embarrassment. Saul is such a poor, hollow soul. And there he is, talking solicitous, surrounded by the soldiers he roused to help him go and kill a young man who could have killed him, but didn't. The difference between Saul and David is as different as night and day. In chapter 27, David is never again pursued by Saul after Saul was humiliated by David's kindness a second time. But he doesn't know that Saul will never seek him again. 
He can't trust that Saul won't have a mood swing and go after him again. Any time that Saul had ever been kind to David, it was a total lie. David thought there was still a threat and left for Philistia. He remained in that region until Saul was gone, and he was then enthroned king. During his years there, he was a raider. In many ways, he was paving the way to expand the borders of Israel to be the largest they would ever be. And all the time, the Philistine king is trusting David. This is weird. In chapter 28, Saul makes his final pathetic error, and it turns out to be what seals his doom. He goes to see a witch. He is terrified because warriors of Philistia have gathered against him. Samuel's gone, God isn't answering, and he's wondering what is next. He knew witchcraft was wrong, and he had expelled them from the country. Yet Saul himself goes to see one. It's a fatal transgression, and he will end up being killed in a day for his disobedience. In chapter 29, we are back among the Philistines. David is endeared to Achish, the Philistine king, by now. Achish wants David to go with him to battle, and practically he sees David as a token of good fortune, and yeah, he could really use him. This is all convenient in Achish's mind, but the other Philistine kings don't know David except that he's an Israelite in hiding and that he could possibly turn on them. The issue of loyalty is an undying matter for all time, isn't it? David and Achish talk and realize it's the better part of wisdom for David to return and just sit this one out. So in chapter 30, David returns to Ziklag, his town of refuge, and finds that it has been burned to the ground. Everything was stolen. All the people kidnapped, possessions gone. There was panic and grief among his 600 men. And they think, oh, let's just kill David. This was the worst day of David's life. And there is a book that has a title very similar to The Worst Day of Your Life. It's a really good read. Talking all about this issue of what happened at Ziklag. And what is David's response? David went straight to God, as he had spent his whole life training himself to do. Verse 6 says, But the Lord, his God, gave him great courage. David acts properly and quickly recovers everything. He again is humble and gracious amid the great victory, and he shares all that is recovered from the Amalekites who had plundered his residence in Ziklag. You have to keep in mind, these are the Amalekites of whom Saul was ordered to rid from the earth. But Saul didn't obey. And finally, chapter 31. Saul is drawn into his final battle. Think. Who killed Saul? God? The Philistines? The Philistines did wound him physically to the point of no return. But it was Saul's disobedience and refusal to be anchored in God his Savior. That's what wounded him. And it was only a matter of time to where Saul killed himself. God brought him up and provided for him over and over. God spared him via David's graciousness. Saul just couldn't do what he was told. And he wouldn't stand for God and be a responsible king. Saul only looked out for himself and sought legitimacy through man's approval. And sadly, not only did Saul die, but his three sons died the same day. That is painful. 
and they died before him, so he knew they were gone. So you have to ask the question, where does disobedience take us? Lord, help us to be obedient to everything that you ask us to do. SevenStreamsMethod.com is the home website for this podcast. Tomorrow we will transition to the Wisdom Stream and read some more of these wonderful psalms that David wrote. Until tomorrow, I'm Serena, sailing with you down the Seven Streams.